You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 9, Episode 18. The Star Trek Formula Revealed, Circa 1975. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, all you Star Trek fans, all of our canonistas, I say that lovingly, our Star Trek history buffs, hey, even you tech heads, everybody that loves Star Trek, everybody that enjoys the history of Star Trek and how it affects what we see today, yes, you know, you're Trekophile, spelled with an F. We're glad to have you back. I've got a wonderful document today, and... Um, and a special guest with us today. So, listen, hang in there. You know you know what we say. Check out our page at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. We have every document every week is there. We're the only podcast with homework. <laughs> Check out this week's document. It's uh, a speech by Gene Roddenberry. You want to check that out. We're going to have an audio sample, as always. But stick around, and I'll be right back with this week's guest. If the Star Trek formula could be discovered, it seemed that any competent production unit should be able to repeat it in a new science fiction concept and gather that same audience and rerun potential. Is there a Star Trek formula? As creator and original producer of the series, I've been asked that many times. The answer is surprisingly simple, yes. Not only does the formula exist, but it is also applicable to more than just sci-fi concepts. Well, there we go, Trekophiles, with an F. Uh, from the lips of the great bird himself, Gene Roddenberry, back in 1975. Um, hey, it's a shiny, it's a shiny time here. <laughs> it's a shiny new year, uh, no matter when you're listening to us. And uh, one of the things about Star Trek is it has been around for so long. Uh, 1975, we'd only lost the original series for a few years, and here's Gene talking about it. But the great thing about the Trek Files is... What has what has changed and what is exactly the same for our times? And who better to share a platform and discuss those matters is our old friend, friend of the show and producer. You know him from Mission Log and Mission Log Live, John Champion. John, get in here. And um, uh, you know, it doesn't right. get much, uh, much more foundational than this, does it? Yeah. Um, and with a twist, it, with, a, it, with an angle. With yeah, a little bit of a twist here. Yeah, I mean, I'm always interested in this period post Star Trek TOS pre motion picture when Gene is doing the con circuit and the college lecture circuit and mythologizing a bit, like honing that story about the early cancellation and what does Star Trek mean. And it, it, it's almost like the prelude to then what will Star Trek become? What is the expectation of what Star Trek will be mm -hmm. if we're lucky enough to see a new one? And it, important to point out, though, that we assume that this is around 1975 because he's looking back on 1974 convention. He references that right, right away. Uh, Star Trek, the animated series, has already come and gone. Um, so that has already been out there. And that perennial question is always, 
well, when is it coming back as a TV series or coming back as a movie? And in 1975, there's still little glimmers of that. Will it be a phase two? Will it be a movie? Will it, you know, what, what shape will that take? So he's almost laying the groundwork here for what it means when there is Star Trek in the title of something. What, what is that expectation, mm-hmm. you know? And you're talking about timing is right. Yes, the animated series had run its course. And we know that there's all kind of machination going on. And again, we don't have mm-hmm. an exact date. I, I a Part of me wonders if he prepared this for... Yeah, he, he references the 74 New York Star Trek convention. Of course, the committee yeah. cons, the first one was in 72. They became an instant phenom, 72, 73. 74, he references here, is the one where literally, if you read about it, it was so overfull that the main hall had a low stage and the actors lined up in those joint panels they would do behind a table. There was such a wave pressing forward that people got up on stage, the tables all tipped over and the actors had to back away from the wow. table. Wow, incredible. It was, it was, you know, you re- read the, like Joan Winston's book, Making at the Trek Conventions. It was and, a little and, crazy. And, and we think that people a generation ago were so much better behaved. It was raw in the 70s, John. It was raw passion. But but it's important to places because he does, he references that 1974 Mm -hmm. convention where things got out of hand. um, And then he referenced, well, it had this been a speech that he gave in, say, 1977, he would have already been talking about Star Wars. He would have already been talking about the the movie and TV landscape at that time and probably dropping Renaming the shuttle by then. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, So that yeah. stuff isn't in this speech. So we know that we're 1975, maybe early 76, somewhere well, around I almost, there. Well, I almost wonder if this was... Now, if you look at the record, he was a guest at that original New York committee con mm-hmm. in 72 and then was back in 75. And a part... Of, we don't have any... We have no information about what this is designed for. If it was for yeah. print, it was... It's short. It's only three and a half pages here. Yeah. And whether it might have been his his prepared remarks for the 75 New York convention, which we know he attended as a guest, he and Majel. Um, but it's got this formal title at the top. So like it was for print. So I, I, I don't know. But yeah, as yeah. far as what he's saying here, the thing that struck me is, um, what do we do? We look back at Star Trek and we say, well, it's the future, it's the optimism, and it's the continuity. And it was, you know, it was the professionals, the cast, the crew, the crew. It's all part of that mix that made Star Trek so special. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he addresses that. He says, was it the concept? You know, youth will appreciate a show which says it isn't all over. You know, the, the hopeful mm-hmm. optimism. Um, was it hard work, superior actors, talented writing direction? He, he attributes that. But then he, what, what gets me in his 1975 perspective, he says, the thing that really made Star Trek stand out, and again, we're yeah. not looking at any bloody A, B, C, or D, right. is that right. it had total creative freedom. Yeah. They, all right. So that, that's yes. where the mythologizing, <laughs> that's where the mythologizing comes in, because he, he's always telling this story. And remember, okay, if you're in an audience in 1975 for one of these speeches, it's not like 100,000 other people go home that afternoon and watch it on YouTube. No, that doesn't exist. So it's okay for Gene to give the same speech over and over again at all of these places. And he's driving home a similar message in all of these speeches. He's talking about the high-minded ideals of Star Trek, which we'll we'll get into in a minute here because I, I, I might have some questions you about that too. You might have something too. to say, right. Yeah, right. yeah. But, but then, yeah, this thing that he says he has total creative control, 
I really wonder <laughs> who is he saying that for? <laughs> In the See, because A, it's not true. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. Let's just, just flat out, that is not true. So who... Is he saying that in a way that is just self-aggrandizing for the audience that is there to hear the great bird of the galaxy talk about his incredible show that they all love and say, yeah, I'm going to take the credit for that because I had total creative control <laughs> as executive producer. So or, if you love it, it's all due it's to me. It's all me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> or is it more like, again, laying the groundwork for what should come? in the future to say it, it does a sort of drive home for the audience to then think, Ooh, Star Trek will be great if Gene Roddenberry gets everything he wants for a mm -hmm. round two here, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, but it, it's just not true. It's just not true. And well, that, see, that, yes. Yeah. What, what, get, what, it's amazing that in it, let's say late 74, early 75, mid 75, mm -hmm. he's talking how many years we we've already had the making of Star Trek out. We have yeah. already had the stories of the censor notes and memos. Yeah. We already know, you know, the the blame for the third season and the cancellation. Oh, they're cutting our budgets. Poor yeah. Matt Jeffries, our writers. We hadn't, you know, he's dealing with budget cuts and and incessant notes and mixed messages from networks and the censors themselves. That which is all part of the Star Trek lore. So to me, yeah, even yeah. by 1975, let's say people know that was out. Those those stories were out. Yeah. That was already part of this early rabid first few years of fandom that launched everything. They were all well acquainted with right. all of that lore. So for him to say, "Oh, I had carte blanche," seems a little. <laughs> so you're right. Like, who was that aimed for? And again, yeah. if we knew the if we knew the the venue for these remarks, whether they were live or whether they were in some print somewhere, I you yeah know. yeah. Well, and, and to his credit, though, he does give credit to all the other elements right. that are there. Like, we had right. a great cast, we had a great creative team, we had you know great writing. We had, but it is also sort of patting himself on the back. Say, I put all that together <laughs> because I had the freedom to do so. Yeah. yeah. So that that's a little again. It is building the myth because you have this period. Like I always look at those years of. 66, well, prior to that, it's late 64 when the mm -hmm. cage goes before the, right, the right. cameras. Late 64 up to 1969 as, okay, this is the rush. This is the constant grind of just getting a show on the air. You're mm -hmm. really not taking the time to sit back and say, what does it all mean? No, no, no. You're just getting a script that works that you can shoot. Right film that you can hand off to an editor and get it to the network to air it's only in this no go ahead oh as i say you get little glimpses of barometers you get fan mail but at the same sure. time you have nielsen ratings telling you you know and you're and you're fighting networks but they promise you one thing and one good time slot then you stick you stick you the third season on you you save right. a show and 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 change history, make history, and then you're stuck in a horrible time slot on date night. So, right. yeah, you exactly. know, they're getting missed exactly. messages all the way through. Yeah. So it's only after 1969 that, well, and I love the humility, uh, again, of Gene just saying, like, well, after 1969, we just thought it would go away completely. We just thought it's another <laughs> show that gets canceled. We'll never hear from right. again. And he doesn't mention the animated series. And it's a little disingenuous because that whole time during the TOS run and immediately after, he's hawking it. 
He's selling, mm-hmm. you know, he's right. selling Star Trek as much as he can. He has to play coy a little bit to say, look, there is no news. There is no green light for a new series. But, you know, by God, he will send you a Lincoln Enterprises catalog and, <laughs> and you know, champion the content of Star Trek as much as he possibly can. You know, and at this point, and we know this is at least past mid mid 74. So at this point, mm-hmm. he's run through the development of the PAX movies, Genesis 2 and mm-hmm. and Planet Earth. Uh, and he's and he's worked on Quester. Quester was 1974. Yeah. So they've shot the pilot. They were picked up, but then canceled before they could sh- shoot episodes. So he's and we know that in March, he's starting to think about a movie and then he signs his deal. And by May of 1975, he's back in his office to work on the first movie that now we call The God Thing, which is ultimately rejected. But, you know, what we think of now is the 70s comeback era is just getting started for there had been enough foundational, you know, dollar signs that the accountants, bookkeepers and the bean counters could not ignore about Star Trek not being a dead little show. Right. And that there was some more money to be made here. Yeah. Uh, And it wasn't just, you know, PR. All those signs were starting to stack up by then. So he had that. So I'm it almost feels like this is not aimed at fans, but this is aimed at something in the trades, something professional. This is meant for eyes to see um, because he is putting a he is putting a gloss on it. Yeah. Well, and it is a bit of that mythologizing just to say, you know, again, it's the little show that could and nobody believed in it. But you, you, the audience, you got it. And there's this other part in here that is really right. talking, you know, really kind of giving credit to the audience saying, look, young people want a show that is optimistic and all audiences, adult audiences, they want shows that I, I, I love this line here, uh, make interesting comments on relevant things mm-hmm. such as politics, war, sex, religion, and so on. Um, can't I, be vanilla. Can't be milk toast. Yeah, no. And, and can't look, be ha-ha. I, I, I really, uh, that's one of those places that I really respect Gene's optimism about a the future and b what the audience wants Mm -hmm. because now in the comfort of 2023 when we look back at this and you go okay there's only three networks on the air here's at least one person trying to do a show that had some thoughtfulness uh some depth to it but now i look at the tv landscape and particularly the science fiction landscape in the early 21st century and think do audiences want an optimistic view of the future And do audiences want things that are provocative and thoughtful about war, sex, religion, politics, etc. In a world where it's so much more fragmented, it seems. Um, Yes. And, and, you know, the TV landscape had revolutionized. I mean, if if nothing else, led by the sitcoms, led by All in the Family and MASH and Mary Tyler Moore, uh, Sanford and Son. I mean, there'd been Mm -hmm. a great, you know, toilets could be heard to flush. You could say pregnant. I mean, when you think where Star Trek started, the TV landscape had had revolutionized. And the the dramas were about to get there, too. Hill Street Blues was still a few years off and and the ensemble shows. But the the media landscape, but you know what he wanted to push the envelope. Mm -hmm. Um, He'd be fine. He's he's having to gird himself for the battle here ahead. So I love how he says... You know, total creative freedom. But part of that is an anticipation of knowing that if he really wants to catch up with the times and and modernize, quote unquote, Star Trek for whatever era it is now, if it if it should happen to come along. But notice that he's not <laughs> right. nowhere in here does he promise anything also. Right. 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 Well, yeah, because, they, again, you, you can't let slip anything about we're in development. I'm thinking about it. I would love to do this. 
it's a different time. I think people now, producers now, mm -hmm. really have no problem at all going online and saying, like, I would love to do this next. Uh, well, sure. You leverage that but, social media. Yeah, you leverage yeah. those, that popularity. Yeah. But at the time, it's still a little too sensitive, uh, maybe then, because who knows? A, a deal could come along or a deal could come along that forces him to pivot and say, oh, no, 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 we're going back for Quester. <laughs> we're doing <laughs> we're doing Spectre now, whatever. Well, here's a, this is this is another thing that Star Trek pioneered that we're not thinking that we're, we're just. Yes. In those days, if he had come out and said, uh, you know, if it, if, it had, if it was known that even the protest at NBC Burbank, he had engineered, then yeah. it would have come across as self-serving and cowardly and uh, selfish. And, you know, the networks wouldn't have looked at him as trying to save a show today. Right. I mean, in this even in 75. Um, he would keep the secret. You wouldn't announce anything till it was out there, and you certainly wouldn't be as craven. It's the same thing as actors at signing shows. Oh, well, you're, boy, your career must be washed up if you're reduced to signing autographs for kids yeah. for your has-been career. That's yeah. another thing that's changed. And in these days, today, what happens? If a producer knows a star or, or a creator is going to leverage an entire audience ready-made for a new project, yeah. of course yeah. they're going to... You know, that's an attitude that's complete... Uh, uh, a mindset that's completely changed and oh in no small thanks to what star trek did yeah over the yeah. long haul right yeah, yeah. um I, I do want to point out before we wrap up this last paragraph because it's the only paragraph <laughs> where we have some handwritten notes and i think mm -hmm. this one is also a bit much <laughs> because uh and, and it's nice to see what he scratched out and what he added but uh, this last line perhaps we were too bold Yes, yes. Yeah, your your only sin here is that you were too good. You were too too thoughtful, too forthright. And then he says, uh, perhaps had we borrowed safe and familiar elements from Western medical mm -hmm. and police show formats, we might still be on the air. You know, we we there, there might have been more Star Trek. And um, I I partly understand what he's saying here. That yeah, in the respect that mm -hmm. a lot of those familiar shows could be ratings titans and just maintain for a long time. Look at Gunsmoke, look at any of the police procedurals and their multiple, multiple spinoffs. You know, those would always do well in ratings. At the same time, Star Trek is a show that is set in the far future, but, but those story elements are actually right. still the same. The Western, the medical and police mm -hmm. show dramas, you know, those elements have to come back and be familiar to the audience who is watching Star Trek. Because if it's not familiar, if you can't be relatable to it and relate to it, then you'll just be lost. Uh, so... I, yeah. Yes, I understand what he's saying, but at the same time, it's like, well, no, no, you're you're taking the best of, you are taking the best of those elements, and you're working them into a different location at a different time, so you can tell those stories and so you can tell stories of social and political relevance. Right. I I take that to say he we didn't cave, we didn't cave to the expected and any criticism. Sure. <laughs> In that yeah. world where they had total creative control. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We right. still were always under the gun to cave and 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 uh, you know just do what's or spend less money yeah. and don't be so far out there. And it's almost like that's another warning that aha, see, yeah. living on the edge, being cutting edge is is rewarded. Look, we've we've survived way far beyond what any little three year old canceled show three yeah. year canceled show should be, and look at the rewards. So 
you know, gosh, out there as you hire new producers in this brave new world of TV, let them do what they want to do and don't expect them to be so conventional and let right. them pioneer and explore. And right. of course, I'm talking about the next time you hire me. Yes, oh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, I would love to know the audience this was intended for, but still, it's been a lot of fun um, speculating. You know, likewise. Yeah. 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 John, thanks so much for dropping in this time on this side of the mic. And we'll see you next time on Mission Log. Correct? Yes, you will. Podcast.roddenberry.com and at Mission Log Pod. There we go. Uh, as you can tell, folks, The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. And all of our documents and your chance to comment are available at Facebook.com slash The Trek Files, of course. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Yeah, that's me at LarryNemichek.com. Now, that's where you can also link in for all of our new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.